0: Welcome to the
1: Believe in Steelers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mark Bergen, joined as always by two-time Super Bowl champion and 12-year veteran of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Ike Taylor. And Ike, I'm really excited to introduce today's guest.
2: Yes, sir. We got Mr. Bill on deck. Let's get this party started. We got a few things we can talk about, right?
1: And Bill Hillgrove is a Pittsburgh man through and through. He's been an announcer for University of Pittsburgh Athletics in some capacity since 1969, and he's also the voice of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Bill Hillgrove joins today's show. Bill, I wanted to start out. We'd be remiss not to ask you this, just given the times that we're in and your experience in the broadcast industry for half a century. What do you think about the response since George Floyd's death?
2: Well,
3: I, you know, I'm not a sociologist, but I have my opinions. And I really think that all this pent-up emotion caused by the pandemic uh, is is what you're seeing breaking out now. Um, and and the problem I have with it, you know, we're 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 a country where you can uh, render your opinion, and you shouldn't have to suffer retribution for offering an opinion. Uh, but the problem I see with the, especially here in Pittsburgh, I saw it, is that it, it's not the protesters; it's the troublemakers who take advantage of the situation. I read a thing the other day where uh, in New York City, some of the looters were getting out of limos with power tools. Uh, That bothers me.
1: And Ike, I wanted to kind of get your takeaway from all this too, because we hadn't really talked since all this has gone on.
2: Yes, a lot of angry, upset, minority black people, basically. You know, they just they just kind of fed up, Mark and Bill, of what they feel has been going on for years. And all they want is is fairness. You know, that's all they want. Things to be fair. As we always agree, and I say it all the time, life ain't fair. And the reason why I say life ain't fair because that's the situations I've been in, and I've just had to overcome it. And for what's going on between the George Floyd situation, um, life should be fair, you know, if you sit down and think about it. We all gotta get up. We all breathe the same way. We all put our clothes on the same way. Some might be disabled, others might be more healthier than others, but at the same time, you know, just from what I was told and how I was raised, love has no color. And as you can see what's going on, you know, all across the world, this George Floyd situation has spread, spread like the COVID all across the world. And it's and it's showing people love has no color. No color whatsoever. Mr. Bill said something about the pandemic. And I never thought about it like that. You know, you got a lot of people who've been sitting at, at the crib at home. You know, pent up emotions, aggressions, or whatever. And um, that could have something to do with it. But I think for the majority, just the blacks and the minorities, you know, they just the system and if I'm if you're called to serve and protect, man, I'm really relying on you. That's how they feel. I'm really relying on you. If if I can't if I can't go to my brother for protection and I'm calling you know, a police officer to serve and protect or not to harm me if I'm unarmed, then I feel like it's an issue. And that's, and that's how the community has felt. So they, they felt like, man, we've been trying to protest, you know, nonviolently for a long time. We've been trying this for years. Ain't nobody want hear his.
1: I think there's a difference between the people protesting and the people who are causing violence and people are, and that are rioting essentially and destroying their communities. And it's really a shame that, I think most rational people hope that the officers who are responsible are prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law with what happened to George Floyd. And I really think a lot of times with social media, media coverage in general, It's very binary in the sense that, look, I support police officers' ability to keep people safe, to keep the public safe, generally speaking. I also support people's right to protest.
3: I had uh, three uncles who were lifelong city policemen. And uh, to a man, their philosophy was, if you get into a situation, especially in the inner city, I was brought up in the inner city, uh, you're only as good as your worst cop. And I think this applies to the George Floyd situation. I really believe that.
2: I agree, Mr. Bill. I agree totally. It's just the trust factor. It's the systematic factor. It's the how I get, how I get eight years and, you know, somebody Caucasian would do the same thing and we got the same record and my record is clean and they get two years. That's been the issue, you know, for us, us blacks and the minorities. It's, it's, it's just been. And, and again, I'm going to go back to what I said earlier, Mr. Bill Lamar. We always say life is unfair. I was raised to, 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 to be like, hey, life ain't fair. You just got to figure it out. And another race can be like, well, that's just what it is. You know what I'm saying? So I like this young millennial generation. They don't care what color, man. They all loving each other. You can just see the protests all over the world. You know, we've been talking about this COVID-19, man. COVID-19 has disappeared, if you think about it, with everybody walking around and protesting against each other. If you just look on the news and see what's going on. But, man, we just want everything to be fair. And fair meaning I get the same opportunity as your kid. And I got a biracial kid. So my ex, she's Caucasian. So my kid gets stopped, you know, by the police. He can't say his mama white. If a cop don't like him and in a bad situation and he's racist, man that cop going to say, "Well, you're, you're <laughs> your mama should have went the other way." So, and even when I was with my ex, she she feared she feared and this years ago. She feared every time I got stopped for 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 driving or some, she used to record. She used to say it as well. So, and why would I have to why would And that's the issue. Why she got to feel like that?
1: Ike, you know, I'm a big fact, stats, and data guy, but with all of this too, you can find information anywhere to support whatever argument you're trying to make, right? Especially right. on social media. And it's compounded by that of this divisive nature. And I think that's the role sports can play in all of this. And sports, Ike, we talk about this all the time. Sports can be a unifier in all of this because I genuinely believe that more people are on the same side in believing that George Floyd's death should have never happened. And that, again, I go back to these officers should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. And that gets lost in a lot of this when you see the looting, the chaos, and the devastation on the news day in and day out.
2: It's just hard to see. Shannon Sharp kind of, he clarified, and he painted a big picture. He said, when these people go to court, and usually, you know, for, 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 for George Floyd's defense and his attorneys and his lawyers, when they paint that picture and they ask, you know, or they try to paint it and they ask somebody to hold their breath for eight minutes and 46 seconds. How many people can hold their breath for eight minutes and 46 seconds? Let alone you in handcuffs on your stomach and somebody's neck, and somebody's knees on their neck for eight minutes and forty six seconds. And the officer who's doing to have no remorse. He said, "Man, they don't not don't, they, they, they? can't even put that. That's out the rule book for MMA, and we know how violent MMA is. It's out the rule book for boxing. So it's just like you say, all cops, all cops ain't bad." You know, I got a few, I got a few, I got a few good ones I roll with. Head guys I roll with. So I, I I do know all cops ain't bad. Um, but at the same time, it's just hard to see. It's just hard to see that, see that, see that video. So hopefully, you know, um, I hate to say, but since that has happened with George Floyd, it's kind of educating and waking a lot of people up, you know, regardless on what color, color you are. So that's good. And by the end of the day, you know, we just need to unite. You know, we just need to make it fair. Um, and it's not gonna happen overnight either. This not this not gonna be an overnight process. But we're in the right direction. You know, with this with this peaceful protesting. You know, that's in a good direction nationwide. And like I said before, you know, love ain't got love ain't got no color. So obviously, we can keep it like that or try to move in that direction. Well spoken, Ike. Well spoken. Thank you, Mister Bill.
1: Bill, we'll move on to the next subject topic. College football lost two legendary coaches this week, Auburn coach Pat Dye and Pittsburgh coach Johnny Majors. Now, Johnny Majors famously led the University of Pittsburgh to a national championship in 1976. What will you remember most about him?
3: He was the ultimate salesman. Uh, He had people skills like no other human being I've ever encountered. Uh, He would talk to the... Uh, janitor. He would talk to his defensive coordinator uh, in another turn of the head. Uh, That's the kind of person he was. He had time for everybody. And on a personal note, uh, after he left Pitt and went back to Tennessee in 1977, uh, I was able to visit him. I took my family uh, to the shore and then we had a couple of days left and I called him and I said, is there a hotel near your house? We want to visit you. He said, Hotel Schmotel, you're staying at the Majors' house. And, and we're sitting on his back porch, and he said, where's your ring? Uh, I said, oh, you, the national championship ring. I said, I never got one, never expected one. He didn't say another word. About a month later, I was called into the athletics office at Pitt, and they said, we're sorry for the oversight. That's the kind of a guy John Majors was.
2: That sounded that sounded, like a, <laughs> that sounded like a Mr. Rooney thing. Mr. Pawpaw, Mr. Pawpaw Rooney, man, you, I mean, it's crazy. Just off of that one story, Bill, it kind of made me just reminisce. You know, that's how Mr. Rooney felt. And I don't know if it's a Pittsburgh thing, but for the most part, just being in Pittsburgh for 12 years, that's how the higher-ups act. I remember um,
3: Steve Sable and his dad, Ed, came to the Steelers and Mr. Rooney to the chief. Uh, back in the 70s after they'd won those several Super Bowls and uh, we have a suggestion Mr. Rooney we we want to brand the Pittsburgh Steelers as America's team and the chief said uh oh, we're happy just to be Pittsburgh's team uh, that's the Rooney philosophy I don't know whether that's a Pittsburgh thing or not but uh, I can honestly say I am so blessed to be able to work for the finest organization in, in all of professional sports and I you know this will be my twenty seventh year.
2: May y'all know how I feel about the Rooneys, that family. You know that organization, that city. And Coach Tomlin summed it up in a couple of words. You win championships in Pittsburgh, you're on scholarship for life. And headline. You know, you can just look at the Mel Blunts who stayed, Frank Harris who stayed. One Rocky Blair, Rocky Blyer who stayed, you know, Swan got into politics for a little bit, you know. So he got a few judges. A judge, I forgot the young man name who who played back. Dwayne Woodrum. Dwayne, Dwayne Woodrum. Yeah. So, I mean, and I can go on. I can go on and on. All for more stillers. You know, Heath Miller, he stayed for for a bit. Troy stayed. I still got a place though. I put it up for sale, but I keep telling my realtor to take it down. Because, <laughs> I, I, you know, you never know. So, and for me, you know, that's just what the city does. You know, being a Pittsburgh still, it really is home. You can miss your home where you are from all day. And I, because I've met and talked to plenty of people,
0: you know, who from
2: Pittsburgh, they always leave, but they always come back. And I knew some went to LA. I knew some went to New York. I knew some went to Miami and over the course of years, three, four years, damn, I miss home. I said, what you mean you miss home? You in these good cities, these big cities, man. That's what everybody love to be, dream to be. And you're living good in these cities, but I miss home. It's just something about Pittsburgh and they come right back home. And I'm sure Mr. Bill, you, you've seen this Thousands of times, people leave and come back. It's just something about the city of Pittsburgh and their organization and the people in Pittsburgh. It's the biggest little town in North America. 100%. You said it. You summed it up. 100%.
1: Support for today's episode of the Believe in Steelers podcast comes from betonline.ag. The NBA won't be back until the end of July. The NHL is still making plans, and MLB is still trying to sort things out. But don't worry. BetOnline still has hundreds of games, events, and sports to wager on. NASCAR is back. Madden and NBA 2K simulations are ongoing, and the UFC is back in full force. So there's still fun to be had. Go to betonline.ag and use the promo code MyPod100 to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and use the promo code MyPod100. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. Bill, Earlier this year at the Dapper Dan Dinner and Sports Auction, you were presented the Lifetime Achievement Award. What did that mean to win that award in front of a who's who of the Pittsburgh Steelers?
3: I can't put it into words, Mark.
1: And I, it's, it's tough
3: uh, to you know wrap my head around the whole thing. Uh, for a kid who grew up in the Garfield section of Pittsburgh, um, who uh, fortunately never had to leave to seek employment. And uh, Mark and I. I think if I write a book, and I'm probably going to do that, I think the title is going to be Never Had to Leave. Um, it's been such a blessing in that I could, you know, apply my trade with the University of Pittsburgh. And then in 94, the Steelers came calling. And uh, gosh, in 26 years, I've done four Super Bowls. There's a lot of announcers. Can't make that claim. Uh, so with a the success, there's a great humility through that organization. And, I think that's what attracts uh, the players, is the fact that you feel like you're part of a family. Uh, and as the chief would say, don't act like a big shot uh, because that's not acceptable in the Rooney code. Uh, it's, uh, the award was a blessing.
2: Give me, and I know you got plenty. I know you got a whole lot of them. But give me one of your best, your best moments, announcer. It.
3: it had to be Super Bowl Forty Three, um, when Larry Fitzgerald scored that touchdown and uh, the Cardinals were ahead, and you know, I mean, things looked dark. And and Ben just said, "Let's get it done," and they overcame a holding call. And then Ben proceeded to put the football on the Steelers' hands every single pass. And the one that Santonio Holmes should have caught at the left side of the end zone, he didn't. Ben didn't hesitate to go back to him in the right side of the end zone, and that—that—that uh, that, uh, that I think was, you know, the greatest moment because uh, they snatched victory from the jaws of defeat, and that—that uh, that was pretty special.
2: I got another question for you, Mr. Bill. What what got you into announcing?
3: You know, I I was very fortunate that that at a young age, I discovered that I had some ability on this side of the microphone. Uh, A a nun who uh, was a friend of my aunt, who was a sister of charity, uh, said to me, well, why don't you come to the radio TV school that I run and uh, we'll see how things go. And my dad was an electrician, so I showed up at this radio TV school Uh, thoroughly prepared to learn how to fix radios and televisions. And she handed me a script and said, read the script. And I read it. And she said, perfect. Just what I'm looking for. I said, what's that, sister? She said, a 13-year-old brat. I said, I don't need a script for that. And I played the part of this 13-year-old brat in a weekly uh, live drama series that was heard mostly on uh, 90.5 WDUQ, which belonged to Duquesne University and a couple of the McKee sports stations. And uh, at the age of 13, I discovered that I had some ability, you know, to be on this side of the microphone and make sense. So uh, I combined that with my love of sports. Uh, In the Garfield section, I grew up on Fort Pitt Hill. And at night, we could see the the light standards at Forbes Field. And I remember saying as a kid, well, I'd like to be a part of that someday, uh, thinking that I could be a major league baseball player. I wasn't the best player in my neighborhood. How could I be a Major League Baseball player? But I took that passion for sports, and with the sports hat on and the ability to, uh, you know, be on this side of the microphone, it's all worked out very well.
1: And so with that, what do you consider your biggest break in your broadcasting career? Oh, no question. When uh, I got a phone call from the –
3: head salesman at WTAE radio, which had the Steelers. Uh, And when Jack Fleming retired in 1994, uh, the salesman said to me, "Uh, Mr. Rooney likes your tape. Well, I was a friend of Jack Fleming's and out of respect for him, I never submitted a tape, but apparently Mr. Rooney was using a tape of my pit broadcasts to compare it to the other people who were, you know, throwing their hats into the ring. And uh, and then uh, a couple of weeks later, I get a call from Tom Donahoe. Things are looking yeah. good for you. Yeah. And, and I went, wait a minute, I'm going to get a job here that I never applied for. And uh, that was the biggest thing that ever happened. Okay, Let's face it. There are, what, 300 um, – no, there's 130, 140 uh, major college announcers uh, there's 32 in the NFL, and, and when you get on that big stage and uh, you get the notoriety, my cousins in L.A. always call me, I hear your tapes on ESPN, I hear your calls.
2: You know, it, it was the biggest break in my life. You sitting in rare air, you wanted a few. And it sounds like you're very prideful about it, and you should be. There's only a few that's doing what you're doing. My last question for you, Mr. Bill, is, what advice would you give a young person going into a wants to do, you know, announce it? Well, I'm going to borrow your phrase life isn't fair,
3: but you have to stick to it. You have to believe in yourself. But what I love to tell young aspiring broadcasters be yourself. Don't try to be the next Bob Costas or the next Mike Tarico. Be yourself. And at some point, that talent will shine through to somebody, and you'll get uh, the position that you're looking for. That's the best advice
1: I could give them. Bill, as we start to wrap up here, what are your predictions for the Steelers this season? I love when Ben said, "Uh, I'm throwing
3: pain-free for the first time in years. So that situation that blew up last year that caused him to go on uh, to the IR uh, was developing. And now that he's pain-free, and I think he's got something to prove. He's got a chip on his shoulder. I like their off-season moves. I like their draft. They drafted speed. I think they fixed the defense with Minka Fitzpatrick kind of being the key back there. Uh, I I, I look for really good things. And I know some of the predictions are that they could finish second to Baltimore or even third to Cleveland. Uh, I'll, I'll believe that when I see it. Uh, the Steelers know how to win, and with a veteran like Ben at the helm, uh, and they've given him some weapons now with a tight end in Eric Ebron, uh, the fullback in uh, Derek Watt. Uh, The offensive line, I think Wisniewski will start for Ramon Foster, who retired, and uh, Marcus Gilbert moved on, and so I think the right tackle uh, will be well-manned again by Matt Filer. So
1: if they keep Ben upright, uh, he can be dangerous, and I think he's going to prove a point. I tell I like this all the time. There's going to be some regression with the Ravens because Marshall Yonder retired. Their center's coming off a knee injury. You had a historic rushing output by the Ravens last year, the most a team's ever been put up. And you take in the fact that since the AFC North has been configured the way it is now since 2002, no team has won that division three consecutive years, which is what the Ravens are trying to do this season. I tell I like this all the time, but things are looking good for the Steelers. Headed into the 2020 season. I agree.
2: You know, I got Pittsburgh going to the Super Bowl. And one of the reasons, one of the reasons, and they're going to call me a homer. I really don't care. (laughs) Um, The reason why I got Pittsburgh going, you know, I'm just looking at the moves they made over the last couple of years. And when I played, we had two good tight ends. When I played, we had a pretty sound defense. When I played, we had some receivers. We had three three kind of receivers. We had a possession receiver. We had a receiver who can get you over the top. And we had a receiver in Hines Ward that defenders were scared of. And we had a boatload of running backs. And we had a young Ben. And we had a nice offensive line. Fast forward to 2020 season, I'm looking at the same thing. I'm looking at two. McDonald and Ebron, they're two tight ends. I'm looking at some young receivers, Juju start with Juju Johnson, and now we just picked up Claypool. So he's the top end, deep speed, and we full of running backs. And we picked up Derek Watt, a fullback. And I tell people this, I've seen this before. So, yeah, I'm glad that I'm glad Ben is back. But Ben don't have to do what Ben have to do for too many games now. You know, Big Ben have to – he had to put the Pittsburgh Steelers on his shoulders for a while, talking about four or five years. You know, that's why he's been banged up. Now he don't have to. Now Big Ben can win the games he needs to win. You know, Big Ben ain't got to win all 16. It's going to be a few games where Big Ben – and he going to feel it and he going to know it because he's a veteran. Okay, this my game. This my game right here hey, throw, throw the playbook out the window, this my game. You know, so, you know, I'm just looking at it from how Big Ben was and what he had around him when he first got into the league, the first three years. And, you know, we, they relied on Big Ben kind of after that, after the first six. Now it's going back to, okay, we need to help Big Ben. And how you help Big Ben? Well, I need to give me a good defense. And that, that's something they do have now. I need to give me two tight ends. They got them two tight ends. Um, I need to give me some running backs that I can hand the ball off to. And that's what they have. Big Ben, like I just said, I don't know what game it's going to be, Big Ben, but, you know, and I'm trying to talk like Coach Tomlin. I don't know what <laughs> game it's going to be, but, hey, throw the playbook out the window. This your game. And, and Big Ben, Big Ben's going to feel it. He's going to see it. It's going to be an instinctive thing. And you just got to ride his coattail. So I think now is more of not what Big Ben can do, not that he feels healthy and, you know, he's probably the healthiest he's felt since he got into the league or since he was young. I think now is his presence in the locker room. That's what the young guys want to see. That's what the young guys has been seeing. So that's what I think the biggest contribute, you know, to that locker room is Big Ben being in that locker room. I like
1: the way you think. (laughs) Thank you, Mr. Bill. There's a reason why Big Ben's considered a preseason favorite to win comeback player of the year. We'll see if that happens in 2020. Bill, this was a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining today's show. We loved having you on. You're welcome back anytime. anytime. Um, I, hope you're, I hope you're recovering well from your back surgery earlier this year. And I wish you all the best. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Thank you, guys. It's been a blast. Appreciate
2: you. Thanks for joining the show, Mr. Bill.
1: For Bill Hillgrove and Ike Taylor, I'm Mark Bergen. Thank you for listening to the Believe in Steelers podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe We'll be back next week with another exciting guest. Take care and so long, everyone. Peace.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day,